and welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. I am your host, Jeremiah Johnson, and here we are at episode 50. That's right. It's the 50th anniversary celebration episode, whatever you want to call it. We thank you so much for joining us on this journey so far. I hope you're encouraged, you're blessed. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ in here we are. We're actually not in the Grace Point Daily Studios. I am here live in Kansas City, Missouri with none other than Doug Reed. Doug, welcome back. Hey, welcome everybody. It's so great to be with you today. We talked a little bit uh, beforehand. We had some good Mexican food just a few minutes ago, and we had talked about how you were on episode number eight and nine of the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Yeah, yeah, man. We had a great time. Uh, always love being at Grace Point. Looking forward to being back there in October. Great to hang out with your pastor today here in Kansas City. So many, many podcasts. Epi- that was like back in the day, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, but here we are now, episode number 50, and we thought you would be the best guest to have on episode number 50. Uh, I am learning that anytime you <laughs> hang out with your pastor, he makes you work. Man. That's right. So, so uh, anyway, Doug, since uh, you know now that uh, you know we love you, obviously Grace Point loves you, we love you, I love you. Since you officially told me we're friends, I've been telling everyone <laughs> that I know. Like, if you check out my social, you know, the bio. Wow. Friend of Doug Reed. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I won't charge you any extra <laughs> for that. But you, on the last couple episodes, you shared your story with us, your testimony. Mm-hmm. That actually got more listens than your white hot message did. Just wow. FYI. Check wow. the stats before <laughs> I came today. What did they like more, the story or the message? Yeah. They liked your story better. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but we're going to dive into it. God's obviously it's been October, November, December, January, February, March, like five, six months now. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm sure God's what's 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 going on in the ministry. Let's talk about that yeah. a little bit first before we dive into yeah. what you want to say. Well, it's it's a really really great year. I mean, my speaking schedule is full. I uh, just finally finished the editing portion of my book and starting to work with a publisher. Uh, that should be out uh, hopefully this fall, no later than the early part of next year. Uh, also, uh, the mission side of things is just exploding. We, uh, we're at 17 teams uh, this year. I'll spend about 80 days uh, overseas doing missions work and uh, just, really, just really rejoicing in all that God's doing and how he's blessing us. One of which is the Grace Point. Yeah. Church is going to be in, in uh, Jamaica, June 15th and 22nd. Absolutely. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so you're doing a little bit of everything. You're in, in America. You're overseas. Uh, and, and so what's happening in terms of, is there a difference, what you do in America overseas, well, the dynamics what, what there? what we really felt like was that God had given us, God had given me a speaking gift, and through that, He's given me a level of influence with His church, and I feel like anytime you have influence, uh, that you need to use that influence to help people that don't have influence. So that's where Partnership International came about, and and we have just watched God continue to keep that vision alive and to, and to bless people through it. Really feel called to the poor and the disenfranchised and, and getting more and more laser focused on that. In fact, we have stopped going a couple of places just because we didn't feel like they needed us as much and uh, beginning to go some new spots and just really watching God bless it. I think anytime you get involved with the poor and the hurting, God's going to bless it. Nice. And obviously, you know, your ministry is successful we all know that. What about your personal life? What's going down there? Wow. Well, not that well, we want to, you know. <laughs> well, most of you know that personal. I had heart issues last year, but we have uh, recovered strong from that. Uh, probably, probably put on five pounds this winter that I need to get off. But other than that, I think uh, feeling good, healthy, 
and uh, marriage is doing well, kids are doing well. Uh, about to be a grandpa, about two weeks. Got a baby girl, uh, baby girl coming along. Uh, so anyway, excited about what God's doing. What's that make you feel like? Does that make you feel old, Grandpa, or is excitement? <laughs> I bold? just take I just take things as they come, man. So I'm, I I uh, um, I so far hasn't made me feel old, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm turning forty this year, so that'll wow. be my milestone. Yeah, uh, I was talking on our last uh, one of our last podcasts. The average lifespan of an American male is roughly seventy-seven years old. Mm-hmm. So I said I'm at halftime right now. <laughs> I said Maroon Five is playing the halftime show, but I'm. <laughs> In the locker room right now. I'm re I'm reevaluating the That's game right. plan. That's I'm right. getting ready for the second half. Yeah. Uh, and so me and Belichick, we're gonna be coming out of locker room here yeah. shortly for the second half. Yeah, I say I say die with <laughs> I say die with your boots on, man. I, I uh I just want to stay busy and active and, and fulfilling God's plan for me in every stage of my life. Well, we appreciate it, Doug. And uh, people, they can just follow you again mm-hmm. at like partnershipinternational.org or .com. Uh, yeah, pitrips.com. Uh, if you Google Partnership International, we'll come up. Uh, of course, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, what have you. Uh, we're actually developing a new ministry website right now uh, based around partnership ministries uh, that will come out in conjunction with the book. Um, uh, you know, can God bless a ministry if it doesn't have a website? I, I don't know. All we've had is our missions website, mm-hmm. and yet the Lord's continue to bless us. But we're about to put out one that's going to feature my speaking and my writing and some other things. I get requests for that all the time, uh, but we feel like the season's coming that we're going to do it. Seems like you're really happy, which is what we want to talk mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's dive into <laughs> it. We're talking about happiness today. Yeah. 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 It, this, you know, it's funny as an evangelist, uh, as somebody called to bless the body of Christ in, in a larger way, uh, I don't write more than six to 10 messages a year. And there's times when I will work three, four months on a message. I'm actually working on a new one right now uh, about God's standard, uh, where I'm going to u- I'm going to use a measuring tape as an illustration and what have you. But I've been working on about four months. But the last message I wrote was called Happy Habits, and I actually wrote it for a church that I was at in December, and I've begun to share it a lot this year. And it's really become a conviction of mine. Uh, Kind of the way words develop in me is that it has to become something that I am convinced needs to be talked about. And then once God has really developed it into what I'll call a conviction, uh, well, then I go to war on that topic. And God did that for me uh, early last fall on the subject of happiness. All right. Well, let's dive into a happiness. You were and obviously using the happiness emoji quite a bit and just <laughs> well led you in that direction. Well, I would I would tell you this. Like like <laughs> it's funny as I was writing this and knowing that I would share it not just at one church but at multiple churches. Um, I, I it went again from just a topic to a conviction. And what I struggled with at first was that it seemed like kind of a shallow subject. You know, yeah. everybody wants to be happy. And could happiness be a sacred subject, not just a shallow subject? And here's what I'm convinced about. I am convinced that unhappiness is dangerous. And what I mean by that is I meet people all the time that are trying to be healthy spiritually while they are absolutely compromised emotionally. Hmm. And it doesn't make any sense because we know eventually that a bad emotional life is very much going to affect your spiritual life. And, and how, many, how many illustrations do we have to have of people that go out and do the craziest thing and change their life? And they love Jesus, but the fact is they were compromised emotionally so long that it mm-hmm. drove them to some type of radical behavior. 
behavior behavior sometimes that can literally destroy their lives. And you still feel like we're in that mindset of Christianity where it's almost like we can't have happiness in Christianity? Is that still a thought well, process well, for I can some tell believers? You, I, I didn't grow up in church. And, and so uh, when I first got saved at the age of 16 and started to really commit myself to uh, church, it always bothered me when I would hear speakers say something like, God cares more about our holiness than our happiness. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, holy, holiness is being like Jesus. If I'm more like Jesus, wouldn't I be more happy? And I, and I, I never could in my young mind, I didn't have the theology to back it up, but I, but I couldn't separate my emotional life from my spiritual life. And now God has really done a healing in my life. Uh, I've walked down some roads of depression, and I can tell you being happy is a whole lot better than being depressed. I can tell you I serve mm-hmm. Jesus better when I'm not compromised <laughs> right. emotionally. Uh, and in fact, I would say this. Magazine editors, or magazines actually hire, most magazines do, but most major magazines hire what they call happiness editors. They are people that are supposed to do nothing but study the subject of happiness and get that into the culture of their magazine. Uh, The world knows the power of this topic. Think about it. Everybody you know wants to be happy. It doesn't matter if they love Jesus. doesn't matter if they hate God or don't believe in God. Everybody you know wants to be happy. So why in the world would we as a church who knows the one who gives joy, who knows the Holy Spirit, who knows the one that's in charge of happiness, why would we not use this as a weapon to reach a lost and hurting world that have such a dynamic interest in this topic? Yeah, there's a guy I like to listen to. I don't listen to him that often, but I happen to come across a podcast, a secular podcast uh, of a guy named Lewis Howes called Mm -hmm. The School School of Greatness. Yeah. Interviewing Erwin McManus, who I really do like a lot. He's got some great. Oh man, I love Erwin. Thoughts yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, one of the things he, the things he constantly talks about, is that we should be as believers. We should be the fountain of creativity. Mm-hmm. You know, we should be standard bearers in our culture for all that is, because mm-hmm. God flows through us. Yeah. And as you're talking about that, I was just thinking about his words that one of the things we should be the examples of to our world is that of happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you think about it. It is, it is completely naive to believe that an unhealthy emotional life will not eventually sabotage the health of your spiritual life. Uh, you're not going to be, a, be able to be a great example to a lost world while you're constantly compromised emotionally. And I'm not talking about having a bad day, you know, or all of us get down or get gloom or or whatever. But the truth is, listen, our spiritual life and our emotional life are connected. And I believe this. I believe the opposite is true, that if a bad emotional life can eventually affect my spiritual life, that a healthy spiritual life will eventually produce a healthy emotional life. Mm -hmm. If you're really loving God the way you should, it should eventually lead you to a place I call it happiness. You can call it whatever. I, it should lead you to a place of emotional health. Yeah. So the two are absolutely connected. Again, not to t- go in a maybe a different direction, but as you started to speak on happiness, I thought of a story a few years back of I had not a person I was directly connected to, but a person that I knew of that was a pastor who had been in ministry for multiple years that was now leaving and getting divorced from his wife. Mm-hmm. And the statement that he said as he was leaving his wife for another person was I don't uh, to my friend he came to my my other friend that I was close Mm -hmm. with and the statement that he made is he said don't you want me to be happy Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and 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 haven't we heard that over and over again Uh, eventually a compromised emotional life 
will cause you to do things that you never thought you would do. So I think this is not just a sacred subject. I think it's an incredibly vital subject in every one of our lives. So let's go through some of these habits that God gave you. Yeah. Um, number one, listen to the happy song every day. <laughs> well, let, 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 me, let, me just oh, bu- okay, let me just build some background first. <laughs> I, I, w- I would say it like this. According to the experts, they say, and I did a lot of study on this and the research of this, of this message, uh, according to the expert, about, about 40% of us are genetically predisposed towards happiness. Uh, I am not one of those people. <laughs> I am married to probably the <laughs> happiest person on earth. Uh, my wife, Jeannie, she is naturally happy. She wakes up happy. She's always filled with joy. I am not genetically predisposed towards happiness. <laughs> uh, the experts, though, say that about 40% of us are, and that about 10% of our happiness, well, that that is uh, circumstantial. So only about 10% of the happiness you experience in life is circumstantial. So according to the experts, 40% of it's genetic, about 10% of it's circumstantial. I am convinced that the 50% we have left is found in the realm of our habits. And Mm. it's really pretty basic uh, uh, common sense to describe this. I would say it like this. Uh, A person uh, that has a habit of, of humility they tend to be happier than a person who has a habit of being arrogant. Uh, a person that's a, that's a forgiver, you know, they tend to be happier than a person who has a, a habit of becoming bitter. Uh, a person that's other-centered over self-centered or kind versus mean or grateful versus uh, uh, ungrateful, you know, you know uh, confident versus insecure, relational versus re- recluse. We could just keep going, isn't it? couldn't we? Mm. That there are certain things that we know of, just basic, you don't even have to love Jesus to believe in this, that there are certain things that we know lead towards happiness, and there are certain things that lead towards unhappiness. So can I get this hmm. test? Is this DNA <laughs> that I get the, they prick the needle, and the, I wait in the, the, the room for a couple hours, the doctor comes back in, I'm okay, doctor, give me the news. Am I predisposed <laughs> to happiness or not? I just need to know. Yeah. Well, I do think there are some simple things you can do in way of evaluating your life and say, you know, I know this. If I wake up in the morning and I worship, and I, and I practice gratitude. You know, I live in a nicer home than most people. I, I get to drive a car that runs well. I, I get to travel. I get to speak. I get to do many things. So I can wake up every day, and I can either, you know, lament over the things I don't have, or I can be grateful for the things I do have. Mm-hmm. Even in my makeup and my personality that's more melancholy, that's more of a processor, whenever I just intentionally practice a habit of happiness, if you will, yeah. Uh, I, then my emotions begin to turn around. So happiness is not some not necessarily personality type. It's something that we can cultivate and develop. No, you are not. And, and I want to say this to anybody that is listening, <laughs> especially if you've been suffering from depression or something like that. You are not the unlucky exception. Uh, God did yeah. not build you build you in a way that the principles of happiness, what I call the habits of happiness, that they don't work for you. They work for everybody, uh, but you have to be willing to practice them. Mm. Uh, in particular today, I'd like to share with you, uh, I guess what I would call a couple of super habits. Okay. Uh, again, I've done a lot of research on this topic, and I've studied this for many months before I wrote this message. And uh, according to some of the uh, experts I read, there are certain habits that uh, we, we could call them keystone habits. I, I call them super habits. But they're habits that are so powerful that they literally start like leading the other habits in your life. This is a couple of things that if you do, 
if you get this right, like 15 other things will just get themselves right. Okay. Uh, I can, I'll give you an example from my personal life. Uh, I have a habit, a good habit of getting up early in the morning. When I get up early in the morning, I tend to go to bed earlier at night. My wife goes to bed early, so it helps me to go to bed with my wife, which helps my marriage. Uh, I, 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 it helps my physical health because I get a better night's sleep. When I get up early in the morning, it helps my devotional life. Uh, so helps me spiritually. When I get up early in the morning, I get hungry sooner. So I eat breakfast. That helps me out in my uh, physical life again. And I could keep going. The one habit of go- getting up <laughs> early causes about 15 other things to go right in my yeah. life. So there are certain habits that are just more powerful than other habits. Yeah. Are you trying to convict me because I'm, <laughs> I'm not an early morning guy or what? No. I like to just, party late at night. Okay, I'm, I'm Doug? Just, I'm just <sighs> trying to describe. My problem is I try to stay up late <laughs> yeah. and get up early. But, but, I, uh, yes, yeah. but I'm just trying to describe the concept here. <laughs> no, so, yeah, that's so great. Let, so let that me share sense. with you a couple of what I would call super habits. These are habits, again, that if you get these right, a bunch of other things. The first one would be what I would call the super habit of happiness is that happy people refuse to seek happiness. Now that sounds a little funny at first, but let me let me just describe this. God never intended happiness to be a goal. Now, uh, the concept I'm talking about is the concept of what I would call causality. Uh, God never intended happiness to be a cause. God intended for happiness to be an effect in our lives. And this is so simple and yet it is so biblical. Happiness can never be found directly. It can only be found indirectly. Happiness is a byproduct of seeking something else more than happiness. Ah, I like it. Now, now, to take this a little further just by way of illustration, uh, if you had an orange uh, in front of you right now, the byproduct of an orange is something called the rind, right? The, The skin, the rind. Uh, you may not know this, but the oils found in that rind or that skin are actually more valuable monetarily than the juice of the orange or the fruit of the orange. The byproduct is actually more valuable than the product itself. Uh, that We use that oil for cleaning products and all kinds of other things. In fact, there's entire farms in Florida that farm oranges not for the juice, but for the skin. Okay. <laughs> Happiness kind of works that same way. And I'll, t- and I'll give you a, a biblical example. Every time the Bible talks about blessedness, the Bible does not say blessed is the one that seeks blessedness. No, no. It says blessed is the one who, whose God is the Lord, or blessed is the one who worships the Lord, or blessed is the one who's, who, who has a prayer life, you know, or whatever. Okay. God, every time the Bible talks about blessedness, it talks about doing something to be blessed, and then blessedness is a byproduct of doing that something. Joy works the same way. If you want the product of joy, you have to seek the producer of joy. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. So instead of every day waking up and me saying to myself, I want to seek to be happy, I don't do that. I wake up and I seek the one who can make me happy. I seek the one who can give me joy. I seek these principles. So as a result, happiness can never be found by just seeking after happiness. Uh-huh. So that's super habit number one. Yeah. Eat the whole orange, right? Or, that's right, no, okay. man. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'll just share one more with you, and then we can talk about this from a couple of angles. The second one would be what I would say is happy people order their lives properly. If you get the order right, 
then you'll get the product right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a man, so I don't like reading directions. <laughs> but if I was putting together a table or a toy or, or something here here uh, during this podcast, if I didn't get the order right, then the product wouldn't come out right. If I if you get the order wrong, well, then everything's going to be wrong. And when it comes to happiness, happiness cannot be found by putting self first. So in my life, when I if if I'm just mm-hmm. seeking happiness well, then I'm probably just seeking my happiness, right? But happiness can't be found by seeking something for yourself. Happiness is found by seeking something for others. And we know because Jesus told us this. Hmm. Jesus said that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that we should love the neighbor as ourselves. If you read this verse, Luke 10, 27, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor, as yourself. It's right yeah. there. God, neighbor, and yourself. If you get that order right, well, then there's a natural emotional effect that begins to mm. take place. I was listening to a podcast. I, I love to just try and find random ones that are just... So I found this podcast. It was like Justin Bieber's manager and or something, I, I, his specific role. He's kind of in that manager-agent kind of role, and he was also the manager and agent of multiple... Uh, big stars. And it was interesting. He talked about this principle that uh, he started going through this very self-destructive period. And he's seen this with other superstars he had managed because they get so, they're getting all the fame, they're getting all mm-hmm. the glory. He said it was only until Justin and some of these other stars found an outlet of giving mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and serving other people. That's right. Uh, and so basically what he's saying is like a lot of these superstars they get all this fame and glory, and they self-destruct mm-hmm. because they're not giving and they're not serving. They're not doing so. They have to, he literally, you know, communicates to all these stars that they yeah. have to find an outlet to give themselves to some other purpose or cause, yeah. so they don't get all weird and out of whack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that, I found that interesting. Well, and it's and we see this on mission trips in my world. Uh, we have seventeen missions teams this year, including one from your church, and. I will hear it all the time. We will we work people hard. Uh, they're away from home. They're not eating their favorite foods. The sleeping accommodations are are comfortable, but not the best. And and they're they're giving, giving, giving all week long. It's not about you. It's about them. And yet, by the end of the week, I hear people say it's the greatest time I've had in my entire life. I've made the closest friendships. I'm more happy right now. In fact, I want to go home and I want to be this way. I like to tell people at the end of a trip that you have just discovered the best version of yourself. Mm. That person that's at home that's all selfish, that's an imposter. This is who you really are. You don't find out who you are and who you're meant to be until you start serving others. Happiness is a byproduct of putting others ahead of yourself. And as a pastor, I think I'm not even going to throw anyone else under the bus. I'll throw myself under the bus. I think a lot of times as pastors, our focus in terms of teaching preaching, et cetera, is, you know, we're, we're preaching to the people to give them what they want, as opposed to this concept yeah. that you're talking about. Yeah. And so then Christianity just begins to completely revolve around me. Mm-hmm. And that in of itself becomes destructful, destructive, yeah. and leads us towards a path of unhappiness. Yeah. So I think there's really two, two concepts here. I mean, one is realize the importance of it. You cannot continue to be compromised emotionally affect that eventually, and expect that eventually it will not affect your spiritual life. But the other side of it is once you have made that realization, then don't become selfish with it. 
decide that you're going to go after God's principles. Happiness is always a byproduct of seeking something else more than happiness. Happiness has an order to it. My life can't be about me. It's got to be about others. Yeah, I love the following the steps in the right order. I literally mm. just used this illustration on last Sunday morning, but one of the worst periods of my entire life was one time when we, uh, out in our back patio, we decided to buy one of these $1,400 gazebos from Costco. You know, again, one of the, my least favorite places in the world. Costco actually was invented by a man who did not love Jesus and is not a follower of Christ, clearly. No, I'm just kidding, but mm. that's my opinion. But, you know, Costco, I just don't like that place. Yes. But, you know, we, uh, I bought this, you know, you see it in the store. It's all put together. It looks so simple. It looks like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll buy this, knock it out. I'm going to save thousands of dollars instead of paying those other guys to put build something like that in my backyard. So I paid a friend $200. Hey, I'll give you 200 bucks, and you crack open that box, and it's thousands of yeah. pieces, washers. Yeah. And so we start putting it together, and we get about two, three, four days into this thing. Yeah. We finally get the beams up and then we realize everything's backwards yeah. because we didn't look at the yeah, manual. We didn't, right. you know, we didn't follow that's those right. instructions. We just thought we could just kind of throw it together. Well, and doesn't that work, you know, in our lives? I, I've worked so hard, Pastor Doug. I, why aren't I happy? Well, it's because you got the order wrong. You were working for you. You weren't really working for others. God, God wants you to do something that you were created to do and something that's in line with the principles of his kingdom. Um, I would just mention one other thing uh, here at the end of the podcast is I, I would say, have you ever been to a poor environment? I'm thinking of two in my mind, and I, I know I have the uh, privilege of being able to travel, but um, I'm thinking of Maya Mopan. It's a little Mayan village outside of Belmapan, Belize. That's third world conditions. Uh, it's the Mayan people of Belize. They speak Creole, very, very poor. I'm thinking of another spot called the Cabezi Village, and Cabezi Village sits outside of uh, Bujumbura in Burundi, East Africa. I was just there in November, and it is third world conditions, literally living in mud huts, uh, no power, no running water. And, and both times I've had teams in these two locations, they always say this, they are so much happier than we are. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was we, just going to go there. It's, yeah. it's amazing. I've heard that. Every, every, everywhere everywhere you go, mission trip, you find, Americans will say they seem so happy. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, and so I hear often, I hear often they say, well, they're happier because their lives are more simple. They're happier because possessions can't make us happy and what have you. And I, that's actually not my theory. Okay. I, I, uh, my theory is this. My theory is they are so much happier because they are so much more humble. Hmm. Uh, we Americans, we don't realize this, especially those of us that don't get to travel. But when I have been in a poor environment, which I have the opportunity to do, I'll be at 80 days in poor environments this year. Every time I come back into the United States, the very first thing I notice is how prideful we are. Hmm. We, have so, we have our own personal little space. We, we project arrogance, essentially. And, 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 and within a few weeks, I'm, I'm back to that. I'm back to where, you know, I've got my own little private space and I'm projecting a level of arrogance. What I have found is that humility and happiness are connected. And the more humble we are, the more happy we're going to be. Uh, humility in my relationship with God is realizing my need of God, my need of Christ. And so I, I try to walk in that deep sense of I need <laughs> God. Yeah. And, and the, 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 the further I go with that, the happier I am. Wow. I, uh, anytime I'm projecting out pride, it's all about me and what I'm getting or not getting, how somebody's ripping me off. Uh, any, think about it in your own life. Anytime you're projecting that, you're not happy. 
Yeah. But whenever you're being humble and it's about others and it's about your need for God, well, then all of a sudden those, those right emotions start to, start to rise up. The person you mentioned earlier that left his wife, uh, that's a prideful act, whether we mm. want to admit it or not. Wow, you're, yeah. say, you're saying, I don't have something that I think I deserve. That's what you're saying. The, the, the heartbeat of adultery is always pride. Mm. And, and so, so how can you find a pure source of happiness when you're literally drinking from a tainted well, you know, uh, humility and happiness are connected. I was reading, I've been reading in the Bible, the uh, Israelites, you know, wandering in the wilderness, getting ready to enter into the promised land. And God now has several discussions and words for them before they step into this place, Moses, etc. But one of the things I found interesting was that he was talking about the, the wandering portion mm-hmm. of their life and what was happening. And he said, I did all of this to humble you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. God, God is committed to our humility, but I believe the byproduct of that is God is committed to our happiness. He, he wants us to be humble because he wants us to be happy. I, I would just address one last thing here, too, and, and say that I hear, I hear often people say, well, happiness, Pastor Doug, is circumstantial, and joy, well, that flows from the river of God. Joy is spiritual. Happiness is circumstantial. First off, I would say how, be, it's pretty difficult to divide those two things. When, when I'm joyful, <laughs> uh-huh. I'm happy. In fact, just to give you a little theology, in Matthew chapter 5, during the, the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus talked about the Beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the, the, the meek, uh, what Jesus was saying there, if you read it in the Greek, the word for blessedness is actually happy. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy mm. are those. So, so in other words, God's not against our happiness. Right. <laughs> yeah. But let's just take that and ride that for a minute. And say, so let's say joy is, joy is spiritual and happiness is circumstantial. Here's what I believe. God cares about our spiritual joy, but he also cares about our circumstances. I believe that if you're in tough circumstances, that God wants to improve your circumstances. Amen? He, yes, wants, to, he wants for you to be blessed. But those, those blessing principles, again, blessing is always a byproduct of doing something else right. It circles all the way back around to our habits, doesn't it? Yes, sir. So if, <laughs> if, if you walk in your house today and if you had kids and your kids are ungrateful, they're yelling about all the things that they don't have, will you as a parent decide that you're going to bless them even more? A good parent won't. Right. A good parent <laughs> yeah, will say, yeah. hey, till you get that gratitude thing right, you're not getting another thing. How do we, how do, our, our God is the same way. Our God says, if you practice gratitude, I'm going to practice blessing more. Mm-hmm. You know, the more grateful you are, the more blessed you're going to be. And then that blessing is going to cause you to have joy and it's going to improve your circumstances as well. Mm-hmm. So these two things are mingled together. I don't think we should separate our holiness and our happiness or our joy and our happiness. We serve a God who is happy and who wants us to be like him. Wow, that's great, Doug. And doing this podcast with you today has made me happy. So <laughs> well, thank you I, very I, much. I, I may preach this sermon in, in October when I come, so, oh, that, you, so I'm you'll sure, get, you'll I'm get sure the full forget. dose. They'll forget by then, and they'll need it again, Doug. <laughs> hey, thank you so much. This is episode number 50. Thank you for all of us that join us on each and every episode like it, share it, get someone else to listen to the Grace Point Daily Podcast because we want to encourage you each and every day to live and follow Jesus. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later.